prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for all the answers to prayer that have been shared. And Lord, we're thankful that you answer prayer in your way and in your time. And as many, several were shared in May and April, several months ago, the prayers began to be offered. And it's only been this week when you solved those problems and answered those prayers. Lord, we thank you that it's your way, it's your time. Lord, we're thankful that it's your church and it's your fellowship that we share together as believers in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Brother Andrew, come and lead us in that last song. Doing the right things. And so this is not necessarily a... uh, Uh, addressing what I believe to be a problem, but just something to uh, put in our uh, our minds and in our hearts, because if it's not something you're dealing with right now, it is something you will deal with from time to time uh, in your life. And uh, the, the devil loves to make us weary or to allow us to get weary. And, And the Bible tells us here in these two verses... It says that we're not to be weary in well-doing. And what that means is, is there's a choice. Uh, there is a cognitive choice that has to be made. How many of you have ever been tired? I mean, just worn out. I mean, everybody has been there. And, and different things wear you out. And oftentimes... The things that wear us out the most are not the things that we're doing right now. It's the little things. It's the side things. It's getting a parking ticket will weary you far more than all of the good things that happen. And what, what the Bible is telling us here is we, we need to be careful. And uh, I, don't hope, I hope you don't mind, but I'm just going to preach a little bit to myself tonight and to you because... I'll tell you what, we're getting to a point over at Union where it's easy to get weary. Uh, and uh, we've got some opportunities here to get some extra help in, but we're going to have to uh, work on some very unusual logistics, making places for them to stay and things like this. But here, let's just start in verse 1 of chapter 6 and walk. just walk through this passage. It says, Brethren... If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but <clears throat> excuse me, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap 
if we faint not. As we therefore, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Now, Paul is closing the letter to the Galatian church and he is giving them some instructions. And so, this is the entire context here. This idea of being weary in well-doing is not, oh, I'm so tired of going to church on Sunday morning. That's, that's not what it's talking about. If you're tired of going to church on Sunday morning, you've got other problems. Uh, you've got very deep spiritual problems that need to be addressed. That's not what this passage is talking about. It, it's talking about serving others. That's why it starts out in verse 1 talking about the restoration process here. There is no Christian that is exempt from verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6 uh, in two different ways. Number one is there's going to be times in all of our lives where we're overtaken with a fault. Where we are trying to do right, and as we try to serve God, we're going to misstep. We're going to do something wrong. And then there is the obligation on the other end that when we see a brother or sister step out of line, that we want to help restore that person. But it's got to be done right. Because the Bible says, in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I'll tell you, you get less help. You can do great harm as a Christian trying to help someone that you believe you have the answer to their problem. Uh, if you like psychology, they call that the Messiah complex. A lot of preachers get put out of the ministry because they begin to believe they have the answers or they are the answer to other people's problems. Can I challenge you today as we look at this verse? You are not the answer to anybody's problem. God is. The Bible is the answer. Listen being in the fellowship of our church is the answer. Have you ever met someone that wanted to straighten you out on something? Did you enjoy that? I'll tell you what, you didn't. Am I correct? I mean, that was not a pleasant... That's not the kind of help that you want. That's not restoration. Most oftentimes, the best way to help restore a brother or sister who has stepped out of the way is by you making sure you're doing right. You see, that's what First John talks about when it says... And this is how we know that we love God when we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. And that's what is being spoken of here as 
considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. How, how do I bear someone else's burdens? Well, number one, you've got to be there, don't you? You're not going to bear someone else's burden if you're not there beside them. And that's what church is all about. It's being beside one another. It's being together. It's taking the rough edges that every one of us have and choosing to ignore them so that we can serve Christ together. Could we say amen to that? And if you've experienced that, that's a good thing. Because what you're doing is you're bearing one another's burdens. You're fulfilling the law of Christ. You know, this is why people in New York City love animals more than they do human beings. How many of you have noticed this? Oh, nothing drives me to the point of saying things that I shouldn't as a Christian than seeing people lavish love and affection and honor on, on little animals that are undeserving. And uh, it, it just drives me crazy. It really does. And the reason people love animals is because when you're feeling down, you're feeling sad, your little cat, your little Fifi, I've always thought about... Um, Brother Josh Carter that was here, they raise, um, what is it, uh, English bull mastiffs. They're about the largest dogs that there are. It says the male dog that they have is over 200 pounds. And I've always thought, if I had a place where a dog like that could run, I would get one and call it Fifi. <laughs> Just to freak people out. But the reason people love little animals is because when you're feeling down, you can transfer whatever feelings you want onto the animal, and they make you feel better. Now, does it solve any problems? Absolutely not. Does it make you feel better about things? Well, sometimes, but it's a temporary fix. It's not what is being spoken of here in the Bible of bearing one another's burdens. And it fits in so well with verse 3, which says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Every time I have to work on the electrical system at Union Baptist Church, my blood pressure just goes up. Because... Poor Walter, the former trustee, had this friend who fancied himself an electrical engineer. He actually used that term. And you would have to go to school to be trained to do things that wrong. You couldn't do it by accident. Uh, absolute insanity. And... Uh, Praise God the building hasn't burned down, and praise God we got most of it disconnected. But I mean this, and, and I talked to him, I said, 
do you have any understanding of how wrong you did these things? And the guy said, no, I, I have electrical engineer training. Everything was done right. And I'm sitting there going, okay, okay. Galatians 6.3, get out of the way. Leave the guy alone. Don't try to talk to somebody who is that deceived that doesn't understand that you can't take junction boxes and bury them in the wall where nobody can find them. Uh, you don't do that. And uh, yet, we have to understand something. Every one of us, when we stand before Christ, we're all nothing. You know, this is part of the problem of the real Christian life is God begins to use us just a little bit. And we start thinking a little better of ourselves than we ought to. You see, that's why we have to walk along with each other. We bear each other's burdens. And when we get started thinking about ourselves, we need to stop and start thinking more about Jesus. Can we say amen to that? And this next few verses here is hard. You see, verses 4, 5, and 6 is the reason why we do not have 300 people in attendance at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I, I couldn't tell you how many people have walked through the doors. And we have tried to talk to them and help them, and then pretty soon they just disappear. You see, we expect things from members of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And that's what these next several verses talk about here. It says, but let every man prove... His own work. How many of you have ever watched a little baby learn how to walk? I'll tell you, they'll get up to where they take their first step or pull themselves up, and they just love it when somebody will give them two thumbs to hold on to or hold on to their little hands and just walk them all around. I mean, they just love that. But there'll come a time when you'll reach out two hands and they'll go, meh, because they want to walk on their own. That's a good thing, isn't it? Well, in the Christian life, we've all got to learn to walk on our own. But here's where it gets complicated. you got to learn to walk on your own in step with other people that are in the same body. Amen? And that's difficult. I, I will tell you, it's more difficult for people who have had previous experience at other churches than it is for people who just come in 
And everything they know about Christ is open to our Bible Baptist Church. In fact, we've had some of our people visit other churches. Pastor, uh, you don't clap. They clapped at that church. Is that a bad church? No, it's not a bad church if they clap. I personally, I don't like clapping unless, like on Father's Day, Mother's Day, Veterans Day, I, I, I like giving due uh, recognition to people who have done certain things, and, and uh, it's, it's a standard means of recognition. But if someone sings a special, I don't like it when you clap, because that's what the world does at the movie theaters and the nightclubs and, and all of the, the and all the places of entertainment. What we're trying to do when we do a special here is worship God. And so we want you to think about the words. And, and the most biblical response is, there we go. Some people remember that sermon. You've heard it several times. And if we don't get very many amens for a while, I'll get it back out again. Eh? Amen? Amen? There we go. And, and so, uh, a praise the Lord is a great response. Amen. Uh, though, those are biblical responses. It says here that every man has to prove his own work. We are part of a body. And yet, each of us have a function. Each of us have things that the Holy Spirit intends us to do, there is personal responsibility that we must take. Here's why. Because God wants you to have rejoicing in what God is doing in your life, as well as what God is doing in other people's lives. God wants you to be thankful for the work He is doing in your life. That's why we take personal testimonies on Sunday night. We want to know about God answering prayer in your life. Why? So we can rejoice with you. So that you can share your rejoicing with us as a church. So that together we can understand that Some people have been bearing some very heavy burdens for a long time. Praise the Lord. Paying off debt is an incredible thing. That is a terrible burden to carry. Getting your job situation straightened out. There are a few things that wear on you like that. I'll tell you, these are things that we need to share, but God wants you to have rejoicing over what He's doing in your life over how He's using you. And that's personal responsibility. And that means work. Amen? You see, that's why we get the admonition not to be weary in well-doing. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. It's not good enough just to participate as a group. It's got to be in your life. And it says, "...for every man shall bear his own burden." tell you, there's no burden heavier than one you shouldn't be carrying. Uh, 
That's why the Bible says, cast your burdens upon him, for he careth for you. Amen? There are certain things God never intended for you to deal with. Sometimes we call it empathy, where we try to feel each, other, each other's pain and suffering. I'll tell you, you can destroy yourself feeling other, pe- feeling other people's pain and suffering. Because you can't live someone else's life. They have to live it. We want to encourage one another. We want to walk alongside each other. But the goal, just like that little child, is to learn to walk on their own. And your, your life is something that God intends you to live. You say, well, I don't like my life very well. Well, we get to the next verse, and it'll tell you how to get that fixed. It says, let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. You see, we teach the Bible here. And, and I thank the Lord. I, I don't believe that I've ever knowingly come into the pulpit with somebody's problem in my sermon notes. I, I know a lot of preachers that do that, and I've asked God to help me never, ever to do that. I've caught myself halfway through a sermon saying, uh-oh, I'm stepping on somebody's toes. Well, Lord, I trust that this is your engagement, and we'll just keep moving. I try not to be conscious of those things. You see, I can't tell what's going on in your life. I cannot see into I'm not God. So what I do is I just continually teach the Word and I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the application that you need to bear your burdens and then it's your responsibility to communicate back. I'm not asking for compliments on the sermons here. That's not what we're talking about. The word communicate uh, deals with giving. It deals with doing things. Uh, Paul talked about how that the Philippian church communicated with him. What that meant was they sent an offering to keep him in service uh, there in, uh, at Ephesus several times so that he was able to continually serve the Lord. The idea of communicating is allowing God to change your life so you can continually be a part of the church. A lot of things have changed at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Some of you remember the old days when we were in the old building. Things were very different over there than they are here. And many, of, many more of you will remember the struggles that we went through after we got here, praying that God would give us the money to buy the building, and then finally it seemed like things just went boom. And all of a sudden we were given $100,000 a year to missions, and we were able to start putting things back, and then now we've passed the million-dollar mark in our missions giving, and... and uh, 
got a letter from Brother Sam thanking us for our participation in the May offering. He said there are a few heavy hitters out there. And said, we're, we're not there. But, praise God, He's put us there. And you know why? Because individuals in this church are bearing their own burdens. They're walking in the way that God leads them in step with the rest of the church. And you know, when you do that, you're bearing one another's burdens. You're fulfilling the law of Christ without having to straighten anybody out. You see, the Holy Spirit's the one that does that part. And when you and I get involved in that, that's where we get into trouble. You see, that's when we get to be not deceived. God is not mocked. You see, there is a restoration process. That, that's what we're talking about. And there's not a one of us that doesn't need to be restored from time to time. And that is a process that will go on through our entire life. That's why the psalmist said, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. He restoreth my soul. we got to continually build up each other. And when you do that, you're going to build up yourself. And this is the law of reaping and sowing. You see, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And, and I've tried to give this example many times. I don't know how else to do it, but... When you were unsaved, you were planting bad seed. When you get saved, that doesn't necessarily mean that God comes through the bad field with the rototiller and kills all those crops. Sometimes those things are still going to come to fruition. And that's why a new Christian, as they're trying to serve God, often feels like they're getting clobbered. Well, there are things that are in the field that are now producing fruit, and it's not good. And here's what happens in a lot of people's lives. They refuse to allow themselves to be restored. They get mad at God, and they go out and they plant more bad seed. And then they feel bad about that, and they repent, and they turn around, and just about the time they get back on their feet, that second crop comes in. And they get discouraged and they quit. You see, the way you solve that problem is even though you got some bad things in the field, you got to start planting on this side of the road. And you know, I don't know why this happens, but why do weeds always grow faster than things that produce fruit. You ever notice that? The bad crop always comes in before the good crop. The good crop takes time. 
If you want to have a nice fruit tree, you better be planning on two to three years before you get your first harvest if you're going to do things right. By the way, the Bible lines that out fairly clearly. Uh, And the horticulturists, the agriculture experts, have recognized that what's in the Bible is actually the best way to take care of a tree. You pick all the fruit off of it the first two or three years before it has a chance to ripen, so the tree grows. Now you have a stronger tree, which will produce twice the fruit and a better quality fruit than it ever could. It takes time. It takes effort. But don't be deceived. God's not playing games. When we do things His way, we're going to reap those benefits. Though He bear long with us, though God say, Not yet, not yet. I'm not going to answer that prayer. You just keep planting that good seed. You see, this is where that admonition comes in. To be not weary in well-doing. Because there is a due season. And if we'll make that choice, I'm just going to keep doing right no matter what. That good harvest is finally going to come in. And that'll be an eternal harvest. That'll be a harvest that the devil cannot take away, the IRS can't tax. And we could go on and on. And here is what the Bible says. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. That ought to be the testimony of the Christian. Amen? Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We, we need to ask God to take advantage of the opportunities that He has placed before us. That's the whole reason we're over at Union. God's given us an opportunity to save a church. I want you to pray for me. I want to write a track on that for Union to start passing out. You see, a church is where you're supposed to go to get saved, but we're trying to save the church. You know why? Well, part of it was Union today is reaping some of the bad things they did over the years. See, back in the 40s, in the early 50s, they decided they could get by without a pastor. And so they hired part-time preachers from the military chaplain college to come in and do the preaching in the church. And that went from about 1954 up until 1974, some 20-some years of no leadership from the pastor of the church just showing up the and you wonder why the church died? I don't. But I want to tell you something. One of the reasons why I believe God brought us in is because there's a whole lot of people dead and buried many, many years that loved God and gave and built that building in 1863 
and loved and served the Lord, and God wants to keep that church alive. And I, I'll tell you, you, you pray, I'm asking you to pray for me. I'm weary in building. But we've got just about another five or six weeks to go, probably between now and September 1st. If God will work out some things, I think we can have the building stable and dry by then. I want you to pray about that. We, we could really use about $125,000. If we had that, we could save close to sixty, because we could get the walls pointed while the scaffolding is still up. But if that doesn't happen, we're going to have to take all that scaffolding down, and then two, three, four years down the road, when we raise the money to do the pointing, we're going to have to pay to have it all put back up, so that that pointing can be done. And we won't have to put it all up at the same time. It's not quite that drastic. But just just pray about that if you would. That we would be confident that we're doing what God wants us to do. And it just simply means that every one of us needs to take advantage of the opportunity that God presents us. And so if I say something obtuse or just understand, I probably didn't hear what I said, all right? And uh, be patient with me for the next few weeks. But we're, we're by God's grace, we're going to get through this thing. And it's going to take every one of us helping. Yes, we need your prayers. But need you in church, too. Need you faithful. That's how you bear one another's burdens. That's how you fulfill the law of Christ. And understanding that God hasn't called me to straighten someone out. But He wants to use my life lived God's way to encourage other people to live God's way. Does that make sense? Because every person has got to bear their own burdens. And sometimes it just seems like we let someone alone and... Well, we're not leaving you alone, friend. What we're doing is we're giving you an opportunity to stand on your own two feet. Because you've got to do that if you're ever going to serve God, you got to do it. And it's not easy. If it were, everybody would be a Christian, wouldn't they? You see, it's so difficult you can't do it by yourself. But if you do not learn how to get God's power to accomplish His will in your life, you're not going to make it. And don't get weary in well-doing. Don't ever get weary with the struggle to be obedient to the Word of God. That's a choice you have to make. It would seem, after nearly 40 years of 
of a Christian life. 39 years this month I was saved. That things would be just going. It got this down to a science. Uh, and no, we don't. We got this down to a struggle. But you know, God gives the victory. And you never quit struggling till you get to heaven. That discourages a lot of people. Say, well, doesn't it ever, doesn't it ever get, yeah, it gets better, yes. But your sin nature doesn't go away. It's still there. And it'll come out any opportunity you give it. That's why the Bible says, let's look for opportunities to serve. Let's walk with Him. Let's be not, let us not be weary in well-doing. Because I'll tell you what, there's coming a harvest. And you want it to be the good one. Not the bad one. All God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your word. We just ask that you would give us grace and love to be obedient to it. And to fulfill these words. To live them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we say amen, if you just need to slip out of your seat, the altar's open. Then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.